Welcome back. It's great to have you here. Thanks for stopping by the Damon Bruce Show. we got a good one for you this Friday. Had a great night last night, the Guardsman Sports Auction. Hunter Pence was fantastic. Had Larry Kruger, Laura Britt, F.P. Santangelo, an awful lot of people that I haven't seen in a really long time came on out to support a charity that means an awful lot to me. We raised a lot of money for Bay Area at-risk youth. So nice job, everyone. Great to see a whole bunch of old friends. So uh, yesterday, because we always like to tell you what we're going to be talking about in the next day's show, I said I wanted to get into Trey Lance and Sam Darnold. And I tell you, uh, it was as if Matt Barrows was listening to my request wanting to talk about this because this morning, very interesting article about Trey Lance came out by Matt Barrows in The uh, Athletic, and I want to just hop right in to talk about the throwing motion heard around the world. Okay, well, let's find out. Um, 49ers Web Zone basically said, you know, Trey Lance has been working with the quarterback coach and is dramatically different and better and is going to result in more accurate throws without taxing his arm. He's learning. Okay. The story's being greeted with an awful lot of optimism. I'm not sure that's how I see it. And again, I'm no Trey Lance hater. I'm not a Brock Purdy supporter. Like, I don't care who the 49ers quarterback is as long as he gets the job done right and it benefits the rest of that very good football team around him. The Matt Barrows story, again, wild optimism among 49ers fans. Uh, he says, uh, um, well, we'll get into what he writes in a second, because to me, like, the whole thing is Kyle Shanahan doesn't need a project that is so bogged down in its infancy of figuring it out. We're still working on throwing motions in the offseason going into year three. Like, that just feels like a really big mountain to climb. A quarterback's got so many things to think about, and guys always revert to their nature when they're under pressure. So whenever I hear about how a quarterback is working with a quarterback coach and the quarterback coach is then giving great raving reviews of how well everything is going, I think, all right, well, I, I hope that's true. A lot of good quarterbacks have had quarterback coaches, personal coaches throughout the history of football. These aren't bad things. But I'm not going to believe any QB coach's review on a QB until I see it with my own two eyes. And OTA is going to start next week, and I'm going to definitely head down there to look at this. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to predict that you're going to ever be a really good race car driver if you just don't turn left naturally, right? I mean, it doesn't. Isn't there some truth to that? And I know that throwing motions can be tweaked and worked on and, and you know, a little, little, little tinkering here, tuck the elbow here, wrist angle there, closer to your ear hole, all this stuff. Don't want the big loopy throwing motion, which has sort of dotted Trey Lance's career and inaccuracy. Guys always revert to what they have always done when the shit hits the fan. Always. It just happens. So this story, again, being greeted with great optimism, and we'll get into the specifics here in a second, but, you know, Brock Purdy was officially labeled by everyone drafting in the NFL the year he was Mr. Irrelevant as nothing really special there. Now, they get those evaluations wrong all the time, and they certainly got it wrong on Brock because, you know, he, number one, 
He took to Kyle's offense like a duck to water. And you actually saw he's a much better athlete than he actually just looks standing there in a uniform. Like, great athletes can come in all packages. Trey Lance is a kid where you see him, you're like, oh my God, that's going to be a great athlete. But can he now do all the other things that just were so there and naturally readily available to Brock Purdy? Then I think about how Sam Darnold is in here. And this is a five-year NFL veteran with lessons of bad football now in his rearview mirror. The Jets and the Carolina Panthers were bad football teams. And for the first time since he stepped off of USC's campus, you know, Sam Darnold's going to be on a good football team. What that brings out of a guy who has already had over 1,700 NFL passing attempts, will be 26 years old in June, um, he's going to finally get reps this offseason in OTAs with a good football team around him for the first time in his life almost in the NFL. You know, I dare you, go out and name a single Jets or Panthers wide receiver that he played with. I mean, he has not been in a good situation. Now he is. Like, everyone's talking about, well, this is a really good off-season opportunity. These OTAs for Trey Lance are going to mean an awful lot. Dude, Sam Darnold could go blowing past them. So you better brace yourself mentally for that. And at the end, you shouldn't care about what Darnold has done, where Lance was drafted, where Purdy was drafted. All you're looking for is that guy can play. That guy can get the ball out and run Shanahan's system. That is job one. So who does that job the best? I don't care. They just need someone to do it well. If Lance can prove this offseason with Purdy shelved because of the elbow situation, if Lance can prove that having seen very little football and with my brand new throwing motion, I am going to be better than a five-year NFL vet in Sam Darnold, I'll be surprised. I really will, and all credit to him if he can do it. All credit to him if he can do it. I just think that the we're really working on throwing the football better stories aren't that great. It's going into year three. How come no one has identified these mechanical issues before this time? We'll get into what Matt Barrows wrote here in just a second. But let me tell you, it's wonderful to have you here. My cardboard cutout of Ike's hardly needs the graphic to overlay and cover up his beautiful face with the cartoon of his face. Let's go right back to that beautiful Ike's face. Incredible sandwiches. I don't know what your lunch plans are this Friday. I don't know what you're doing this weekend. But you will be really happy if you do it with an Ike sandwich in your mouth. Go ahead and get one today, tomorrow, and on Sunday. You should be eating Ike's once a day. And then when you decide, it is cocktail time, baby. How about a little blackened whiskey? It's my choice. It's where I go. I'll tell you, if uh, Charles who sent me a bottle of blackened whiskey, just sent me a bottle of blackened whiskey, and there was no deal cut between the plus and blackened whiskey, I'd still be drinking this whiskey. It's fantastic. It is fantastic. It is smooth. It comes at price points that make you say, I'll take two of those, go ahead and pick up a little blackened whiskey and find out that Uncle Damon's not lying to you. He never will, never has. Ain't going to start now. Certainly not going to start with any sponsor either. 
I'm not going to take a product that I like and be like, personally, I can't stand this product, but let me try to use it as an endorsement. I just, I'm sorry. I won't do that. I won't play that game. If I'm telling you I like something, it's because I really, really like something. The big demerit on Sam Darnold is that he's a 59% career passer. And that's got to improve and will probably improve instantly with Kyle Shanahan and the routes and just the offense around him. Look at how good Brock Purdy was. Again, took to this offense almost like a duck to water. And it's been a slow grind getting Trey Lance up to speed. Now, apparently all those arm fatigue stories were real. You know, the, the throwing motion didn't do his arm any favors. Okay. Well, I mean, think how many times you heard pushback on that. Oh, those arm fatigue stories are totally false. Well, it turns out they were true after all. And he's throwing the football now without any fatigue in his arm, and that's great. Again, Lance is going into year three with an incredible opportunity in the OTAs, which he really needs to take advantage of because here is what, you know, the categories that Trey Lance needs to work on are as follows. Number one, actually playing football. Number two, actually playing real football games. Well, the football that he plays in OTAs will determine how many actual real football games he plays this coming season. How to throw a football. Again, a little worried that we're at the how to throw a football phase going into year three still. Last year, Trey Lance completed 48% of his passes in an incredibly small sample size. There is no sample size of Trey Lance that isn't incredibly small. It's how he's packaged. Everything about him is, well, we hardly saw anything, so can you really take away any information from what you saw? In his eight career games, he has a 55% completion percentage. That is horrific. Under any and all circumstances, large sample sizes, great sample sizes, one quarter of football, if you're only completing 55% of your passes, that ain't good. So he's got a lot to work on. How to read a defense, how to see a football field. These are all legitimate questions that Trey Lance needs to answer and quickly in OTAs or mark my words, Sam Darnold is going to go blowing past him. It just feels like all Sam Darnold needs to do to fit into the Kyle Shanahan system is see the playbook and start running some reps. Purdy, it feels like, well, you certainly hope, the only thing he needs to do before he is the starter again is get healthy. And it feels like both Sam Darnold and Brock Purdy have much smaller mountains to climb while Trey Lance is sitting at base camp of his mountain saying, okay, so what I need to do is um, learn how to throw a football. Again, how can you be predicted to be a really good race car driver if you have trouble turning left? For those who want more NASCAR in the show, you just got it. So I hope you enjoyed that. Obviously, we got a lot of people in the chat. You were there early today. You plucers, you're you're freaking amazing. You really are. Uh, I'm happy to report that Jillian and I are going out to uh, a place next week, which we might pick to do our first in-person event with everyone who has been so supportive. Maybe even do a show from there. But what I really want to do is reach out and thank all of you personally 
for the incredible support that has turned this brand new little project that today I believe is kind of two months old, or we're, we're approaching the second month anyways here. Uh, well, no, I guess we're a month and a half in. We still got a couple weeks to go before we get to two months, but uh, the growth has just been tremendous, and it's because of all of you. So thank you so much. Matt Barrows wrote, Kyle Shanahan noted that injuries have played a big role in Lance's delivery. He broke his right index finger in the 49ers preseason game, final preseason game in 2021, which affected the rest of his rookie season, which bled into the spring period last year, and he was making progress as a thrower when the regular season begun, but suffered a broken ankle in the first quarter of week two, ending the entire season. That's all true. That's That happened. I saw it with my own two eyes. But again, these setbacks are not reasons to plant seeds of hope. They're just more concerns. Because the one thing that you drafted Trey Lance to be, well, among the many things you drafted him to be, was the big, tough quarterback who just doesn't get hurt as frequently as Jimmy Garoppolo did. And that is something... It's another box he's not checking. I'm not saying anyone's at fault for getting hurt on a football field. I would be snapped in half on a football field by the water boy at this point in my life. I'm sure of it. But this is not a good start. You know, to try to say, well, there's reasons for it not being a good start. Okay, but these reasons don't change the fact that this ain't a good start for a kid who was drafted in a place where I think Kyle Shanahan talked himself into something that he might have wanted but didn't really need. What he needs is a three, five, seven-step drop quarterback who can get the ball out accurately inside of a 17-yard box. That's it. You know? He wants a few yards behind the scrimmage, about two yards behind the scrimmage for the screen game. And then 15 yards downfield is really the only place Kyle's comfortable running routes. And if you get a yoikes away every now and then, that's just to keep the the defense honest. Or maybe you got a shot play and you're taking it, but it's really not designed to do that often. We know the Shanahan offense. We know it. And I guess now we know that all of those, no, there are no arm fatigue stories that we heard and the Niners said were just bubkis were real. Let me get a little sip of coffee here as we continue. Ah, that's good coffee. So, Trey Lance has been doing his homework, and he's been watching Patrick Mahomes. Jeff Christensen is the name of the private quarterbacks coach whose star pupil is Patrick Mahomes. And Christensen used Mahomes as an example for Trey Lance to how this is how you got to throw the football. I mean, what 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 quarterback in the NFL can't learn from Patrick Mahomes at this point, right? Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football, living breathing today. So, to say like do it like him, it's probably a lot easier said than done. But what Matt Barrows writes is that Jeff Christensen said, "Watch this. Watch what he does. Mahomes on the field, Lance, right on the same field, watching him. And his QB coach, his private QB coach, Jeff Christensen, says, watch this, watch what, watch what he does. It was something that I was telling him to do that he wasn't quite doing. 
And then he saw Patrick apply it perfectly. And I think that that visual buy-in, that mental buy-in, helped him pass that mental hump. So what are you telling me? He's got the yips too? He, you know, I, I don't know. Um, but look, I'm a visual learner. You can sit around telling me how to do something all day long and I probably don't get it. But if you show me how to do it, I'll probably pick it up quickly. I'm very much a visual learner myself. So, um, you know, Christensen added, to his credit, he just kept on getting better over the last seven days. Every day was a substantial jump. Okay, so now here's what I want. I want Trey Lance to hit the ground running so hard Tuesday, next week at OTAs, that there is no reason to even have Sam Darnold take a single rep with the ones. Like, is that what you're telling me is going to happen? That is the substantial leap forward? I got to see it to believe it. And I think you got to see it to believe it too. And I don't want to get into, like, who you're rooting for. Who you're rooting for is the 49ers. And if the 49ers need to put cigarettes out in the forehead of the co- of the quarterback whose jersey you already bought and already talked a whole bunch of smack to your friends saying he's going to be the next best whatever, look at it this way. You didn't say anything about Brock Purdy when he was drafted, and chances are you would turn in your Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo jersey for a Brock Purdy jersey instantly if you were given that opportunity. Because Purdy, again, he just took to this whole thing like a duck to water because he's a quarterback who's out there just thinking about who's my open target, not out there thinking, all right, how do I tuck my elbow and keep the ball near the ear hole and not be loopy with my throws? And he's also the kind of guy who's going to throw from all arm angles, which is what Patrick Mahomes does. And by the way, Patrick Mahomes reverts to the here's here's how important Patrick Mahomes quarterback coach is to Patrick Mahomes throwing motion. It doesn't matter. Patrick Mahomes throws the ball right up here, down here, sidearm, underhand, no look. The guy's got a million different clubs in his bag. So looking at Patrick Mahomes as the example of this is how, it, you know, this is Dan Marino who's got the same throw, every single throw of his career, is ridiculous. Patrick Mahomes has so much natural ability caked into his body that how he throws the football, the arm angle, the elbow angle, the wrist motion, none of it fucking matters. He's just unloading that thing with more talent than's ever been stuffed into a football uniform. So, you know, it's basically like saying to somebody who's learning how to play the guitar, you see Jimi Hendrix, you do that. Do that. No, you shouldn't do that because Jimmy did things that no one else could have ever done and he did it with a guitar that was strung upside down, which is the opposite of how anybody would string a guitar in the first place. I'm glad Jimi Hendrix made the show today and I hope you are too. So I really wanted to talk about this quarterbacking situation. It's a topic that has literally been beaten to death, but I thought I was going to talk about it today. And then Matthew Barrows drops this article, which has got everyone talking about it too. So I love when the stars align. I really do. The other news around the 49ers, which is going to mean ka-ching for the registers, is that Turkey on the 50 field at Levi's Stadium uh, will host the Super Bowl in 2026. So it's going to be Vegas party. Oh, my God. Then it's going to be New Orleans. What a party town that is. And then it's going to be Santa Clara. 
Womp, womp. Now, obviously, the only element of the Super Bowl that will take place in Santa Clara will be the game itself at a football stadium that looks like it's still being built. I do. I just hate that place. I do. It sucks. We all know it. All you got to do is see Allegiant Stadium. All you got to do is see SoFi Stadium. All you got to do is see the palace that, uh, you know, the, the Falcons built, the Vikings built, all these new stadiums so dwarf the construction and architectural ideas that went into Levi's Stadium. It's ridiculous. Anyway, it's done. Damage is done. It's like drafting Trey Lance. Sunk costs. Can't worry about it anymore. The good news is downtown San Francisco in 2026 needs the business. You know, a return to San Francisco needs to happen in the next couple of years. A return to normalcy downtown needs to happen. Full hotel rooms, full convention centers. It's just unfortunate that the football stadium is nowhere near San Francisco, California, which will be the host city. I mean, really, if you wanted to make it convenient for anyone with hotels to stay in or, you know, a media that is covering the game, you would make, you'd have media row in San Jose. But if that's not going to happen. There will be hundreds of millions of dollars in renovations. All the rich people will be taken care of because that's going to be poured into suites that people like you and I are never even allowed in. The people sitting in the stands, all of you got sun in your eyes. Go fuck yourselves. Shade is not available. Wear sunscreen and sunglasses. And even though they've been practicing in the backyard of Levi Stadium for a quarter century now, again, the sun snuck up on the 49ers when they decided to put their stadium there. You will get new scoreboards. The one thing you absolutely do not need in that stadium. The one thing that I can tell you they got right are the scoreboards. Those are good-looking scoreboards. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So the chat moves quickly, so quickly that if I don't start looking at it, I'm afraid that a few things will be forgotten about by the time we get there. Uh, Let's just start with real quickly, and we'll get deeper into this in Club Plus in just a second. Today should be a blackened whiskey day, blackened Friday. All days should be blackened days. Thank you very, very much. Uh, We got... uh, uh, same guy also saying, I need the plus. Mike, the plus needs you. Thank you so much for being here. And again, to our uh, our, our founding patron, chat room saint himself, Otis Bird Third. Hey, Damon. Hey, everyone. What I love is that we have so many regular names and faces that used to be over on a certain radio station that get to this not even up and running YouTube channel before 11 a.m. to start talking with each other over here than over there. Another sign that this is working. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Yeah, everybody. Uh, New throwing motions are exciting. True blue forever. That will, 250 will get you on Muni. Not here to tell you that quarterback coaches don't matter and improvement can't be figured out, and sometimes it isn't a sprint. It's a slow, incremental climb. Lance is still very young, but again, a very young quarterback making slow, incremental climbs to be better is not going to serve the 49ers well. Brock Purdy, get healthy. 
Sam Darnold, if you don't go flying past Trey Lance by day four of OTAs, you ain't it. Sam Darnold should be able to look so much better than Trey Lance could possibly look. Again, I've never heard a word about Sam Darnold's throwing motion or him having technique issues. The Sam Darnold issues are the teams around him since the day he's been drafted have totally sucked. (laughs) True blue again. Puff, puff, pass, or just hand it off to Christian McCaffrey. Guess who's got an awful lot of uh, road traveled with Christian McCaffrey? Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Fish and chips. Hello, Gubna. This season will be the handoff train. I'm good with that. Again, whatever works. Whatever shortens games, whatever keeps your defense off the field, fresh, ready to go and strike when they're out there. I, Dude, running game, I'm good with it. Again, I, 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 I watch Big Ten football. I'm good with running games. I'm good with running backs, kicking ass. I'm fine with it. I don't have a problem with it. Now, I'm not so dedicated to that that I'm telling you that this has got to be a, you know, straight up at all times, uh, you know, to, when you throw the football, three things can happen. Two of them are bad. Like, I'm not that much in the past where that's the way I feel. But, man. <laughs> One more from True Blue saying, Man, this is much more better than the punch talk. Yeah, it is. It is. It's nice to circle back to football. And by the way, wait until you see what the Ploose becomes by the time football season rolls around. And then wait until you see the animal that gets unleashed come football season here. Oh, we're so excited. Um, at the Guardsman Sports Auction, everybody that I talked to was just so excited about what is happening over here and how it looks to them and this start and what it's done to just unleash the truest version of Damon Bruce they've ever been allowed to hear because there's no FCC constraints over here. We can shoot from the hip, and we aren't a flagship of no one on the plus, which means we can talk about everything independently without an ounce of blowback. Although, to be totally fair, honestly, in all the years I was at KMBRN 95.7 The Game, I didn't get much blowback about how I ever talked about anything. Probably because they knew that he wouldn't listen anyways. He's just going to do it the way he wants to. But I've always been honest with you, and we're never going to stop any of that. And we're going to be even more honester. More honester? Much more honester right here. Sporticus. You want honesty? Sporticus gives you sports honesty all the time. Brock has proved he can do it and visibly fits. Trey has not. Proven success is always more valuable than potential success. Here, here. Now, if potential can hop on that road and get to actual success, what a great story that will be. You know, not all quarterbacks are just, you know, grease lightning the minute they get drafted into the NFL. As a matter of fact, the vast majority of them are not. So it's, you know, Trey Lance could still be a spectacular quarterback one day. But it's going to materialize out of a start of a career that has been very shaky, if that indeed happens. So we will get back into the text line here. We will get back into all of this. I just have a few more things to say. Um, 
We already talked about how the Super Bowl is coming in 2026. That's good news. Bring your business to San Francisco. Do business in San Francisco. Uh, everything you hear about San Francisco, everything you hear about San Francisco's death spiral, is basically copied and pasted from Wall Street articles that applied to 20 years ago when the, the it was a boom town with the whole tech industry. I mean, people, newspapers, other cities have an agenda to let you know how terrible everything in San Francisco is all the time. It's a huge exaggeration. Are there problems? Are there problems that should be fixed and addressed quicker? Of course, find me the major city where that doesn't exist. What I'm happy to be part of as a guardsman is part of the solution. What are you doing? What are you doing to be part of a solution? Or do you just sit there and retweet things with your fat, talentless, effortless fingers. I'm trying to be part of the solution. The city's going to come back like a phoenix. And that's going to be me and Mrs. Pluse with lassos riding the phoenix out of San Francisco's ashes saying, Thank you! We're awesome! I love this town. I deeply love this town. Not going anywhere, baby. I love this town like Hunter Pence loves this town. How many San Francisco Giants from Texas, born in Texas, plays for the Giants, now he can live wherever he wants, and he still lives in downtown San Francisco. That guy loves this town. Speaking of the Giants, we got Marlins at the Giants. It's a three-game series over the weekend. DeSclafani, Webb, and Wood are your scheduled pitchers, uh, and this is a three-gamer before they start a seven-game road trip that'll take them through Minnesota and Milwaukee. Uh, the Athletics are at the Astros. That's the start of a seven-game road trip before they head to uh, Seattle after leaving Houston, and I'm sure, I'm sure it'll just be great. What I did kind of want to talk about for a moment here is how the Dodgers have so thoroughly caved to pressure that they should be ashamed of themselves. Big story in ESPN and everywhere, LA Times, all over the place, about how the Dodgers have disinvited the sisters of the perpetual indulgence to their annual Pride Night because of pressure from conservative Catholic groups. All conservative Catholic groups, let me tell you, since we're talking, you want to be on a baseball field? Well, then let's talk about odds. The odds of your child being raped by someone in a conservative Catholic group are so magnificently higher than a sister of the perpetual indulgence, it's not even funny. Like one is a legitimate double-digit percentage of that could happen. The other is a zero percentage. Go ahead and Google kids sexually molested by priests. See how many returns you get on that. Google, after that, kids sexually molested by the Sisters of the Perpetual Indulgence. There's no the in there. Drop the the. It's cleaner. Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. It hasn't happened. Look, this whole thing about, you know, kids and drag queens and all this stuff. Dude, kids don't give a shit nearly as much as all these parents are using it as some political cudgel to wield around. When I was a kid, I thought Bugs Bunny wearing a wig was freaking hysterical. When, 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 you know, you'd see, uh, uh, oh God, you know, who, who used to, 
Who used to be the old comedians? You'd have, uh, uh, God, I can't, why am I blanking on his name right now? He's only one of the most famous comedians in the history of comedians. I can't get anything other than Mel Blank out of my mind because he was a, but, but the thing about it, just Bugs Bunny wearing a wig and, and Elmer Fudd, oh, Bloom Hilda, how I love you. I watched that cartoon a million times as a kid. I have, I have not dressed in drag once. I've always said that the single most powerful, enlightening statement I ever made when I moved to the Bay Area for the very first time so many years ago, and I was working across from a guy at a temp job. Who one day we were out at lunch, and I'm like, dude, check that chick out. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what? You're not interested? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm really not. I'm like, what, are you gay? And he's like, yeah, I'm gay. And I'm like, oh, my God. Well, you're like the first gay person, out gay person I've ever met in my life. Let's talk. And in that conversation, he said something to me that so thoroughly blew my mind, and I've shared this before on the radio. I'm proud to share it with you again. He asked me a real simple question. He said, Damon, when did you choose to be attracted to women? And I told him, I said, well, I never made that choice. I just what? Boom. Light bulb. Every bias, every prejudice, every everything that I ever might have thought or felt about the gay community being different than me or weirder than me just vanished in that one instant because I never decided to like pretty girls with big boobs. I just did. It was natural. And that's how he decided what he liked. He just was attracted to that. I never went. Uh, d- do you think that there's a single person ever at a drag show who never really considered dressing in drag, but coming out of that drag show, let me tell you, I'm absolutely going to do that now. It doesn't happen. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an illusion. It's an illusion. It's an illusion that is being literally politicized Because one political party's got nothing to sell you but fear and anger. All out of ideas. So they're going to tap into the worst of their base. Have you ever seen the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence? Guys dressed drag face and nun outfits? You know where I've seen them? I've seen them feeding the poor and helping the needy. That's where I've seen them. And as a matter of fact, the Dodgers who say, given the strong feelings of people who have been offended by the sisters' inclusion in our evening and in an effort not to distract from the great benefits that we have seen over the years of Pride Night, we are deciding to remove them from this year's group of honorees. Go fuck yourself, Los Angeles Dodgers, you coward-caving bastards. You seriously, everyone involved in that pride night should boycott it. Every other group that they said, okay, well, we'll have you on here because you're less offensive than them. They should boycott that straight up. I have lived in San Francisco for 20 years. And I'm telling you, I have actually seen like three or four people trying to live their life as a different gender or transgendered person. I, I, it's a, it's such an infinitesimal issue here in San Francisco that to say it's a big issue anywhere else is just a lie. 
It's ridiculous. It's it's if if you don't if you could just mind your own business, you'll be fine. I know one and I've only met her once, Christina Carl. Christina Carl of the San Francisco Chronicle. I, I went up and introduced myself to her saying, you know, we've never actually introduced myself. Hi, I'm Damon. She, she said, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm typing right now. I got to get back to work. I said, cool, we'll talk another time. It's the, it's the smallest little boutique issue that they're trying to pretend is Walmart. But it's the morality that goes into the issue and how you feel about it that says an awful lot about you. I invite everyone, and I really mean this from the bottom of my heart, when it comes to something you don't like, whether it be a sexuality, a group, the way a person dresses, uh, who they go to bed with, who they decide to love in their lives. Um, you know, I, I, here's my uh, one bit of advice to you. I think it's great advice. You should take it. Mind your own goddamn business. Mind your own goddamn business, and if you're that bad of a parent where your kid seeing the sisters of the perpetual, uh, pro, the, the, I keep on saying the, if, if, any, if, any, if any way anyone dresses is going to change who your kid is inside and out, I'm telling you, you're a piece of shit parent. It's, in, it's insane. It's insane. So shame on the Dodgers. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, their group's mission statement says it's a nonprofit organization devoted to community service, ministry, and outreach to those on the edges and to promote human rights, respect for diversity, and spiritual enlightenment. We use humor and irreverent wit to expose the forces of bigotry, compliance, uh, complacency, excuse me, and guilt that chain from the human spirit. It's amazing how much that aligns with so many Catholic mission statements, doesn't it? Yet, the biggest conservative Catholic groups, all Trump voters, every single fucking one of them, decides that you can't have men running around in drag, and you can't have... Uh, abortions anymore so we're going to take away the right to an important medical procedure for women all around the world well not the world but the united states and make it as difficult as possible these people have an agenda that is ungodly unloving and they can all go fuck off so you know what i want to do when we have our in-person thing i'm going to invite the sisters of perpetual indulgence to join us that's what I'm going to do. You know, I just, I, I'm, I'm done with, with bigotry and people who are just total assholes. I'm done with them. I'm done with them. And here's the great thing. I don't have to appeal to both sides anymore. I don't have to be Michael Jordan going, yeah, well, Republicans buy sneakers too. Nah, nah. If you're that much of a conservative sticking your nose up everybody's ass that you, you can't mind your own business, we ain't going to be in business together. It's just that simple. And by the way, I would not have probably felt this way had I not moved to San Francisco. And that is the beauty of this city because it enlightens people. You can live wherever you are and be whoever you might be. Or you can come to San Francisco and find out who you really might be on the inside because this city will peel the layers of 
all the systemic programming and bigotry off of you, and now you get to think about things for real, being exposed to different things for the first time. That's what makes this city magical. That's why I'm proud to be here. Shame on the Dodgers. Caving. So before we get into Club Plus, let me just tell you that the Lakers are now in an 0-2 hole, baby. They got to go and defend home court. If Denver wins one game in Los Angeles, that series is essentially over in my mind. Even though those games have been close and tight and whatnot, I, dude, a playoff series hasn't started until you win on another team's floor, which means tonight at 5.30, we got ourselves a playoff series that has started because Miami's up one nothing, and game two is in Boston tonight. We'll see how that goes. Um, I can tell you it's basically a must-win for Boston tonight. They don't want to go to Miami down 0-2. Bob Myers' watch obviously continues for Warriors fans. Uh, the timeline is that it's going to be in a couple of weeks, so we will see. And last night, I couldn't believe it. Jillian and I get home late from the Guardsman Sports Auction, and I, I'm opening up my text lines, uh, opening up on text lines here, and, uh, um, or, you know, just, just people, my friends texting me, and they're like, dude, second overtime, third overtime, fourth overtime. And as soon as I get to my front door, the game-winning goal was scored, and I didn't get to see any of it. But I thought I was going to watch a four-overtime hockey game when I got home last night. All I can tell you about four-overtime hockey games is that the Canes and Predators last night had players logging 60 minutes of ice time. Like if a player in, in an NHL game has 20 minutes of ice time, that's an awful lot. 60 minutes of ice time in a single night of hockey. I mean, it was, everyone needs to be in traction today. Good God. Wayne Gretzky, I saw him sitting on the set. I watched a little of that post game. Wayne Gretzky looked like he would rather be anywhere else in the world. He looked exhausted. And I, and I went to bed last night, and the final thing, the final thought that danced through my head was that Ray Ratto must have loved that because he only really like sporting events that involve great degrees of human suffering and when it's at its apex level of painful, uh, excruciatingly long hockey games. That's when Ray's is an absolute happiest. And when Zambonis, you know, might run out of gas, that that's, that's as happy as Ray Ratto gets in life. So Ray Ratto, I'm sure, went to bed last night as close to happy as happiness will ever allow Ray Ratto to actually get to it. And on that note, I say thank you so much for tuning in. Another great week in the books. Thank you for listening on the podcast. Club Plus is about to start, but I can tell you right now, sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone.